this is going to be a complete change. I mean, it really is so simple. This is the end of this current fiat money experiment. Monaco 64, home of alternative economics and contrarian views. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Lynette Zank. She's the chief market analyst at ITM Trading. And uh, according to her, she's been in the space since 1964 uh, when she found uh, her uncle's safe, I think. And uh, she she also started on Wall Street uh, in the mid-80s, I think, or 1987. So 86. She, yeah, 86. So she's... She's seen everything, and uh, she also started looking at currencies and, and its cycles. And uh, we spoke about three months ago, and I thought it would be good to speak to Lynette again and see what's going on, Lynette. Oh, my God. What isn't going on right now? Um, you have so much that's happening as we make this transition. Doesn't it kind of feel like we just go from crisis to crisis to crisis to crisis, keeping everybody off balance? That's right. And and one thing uh, I wanted to talk about that I, I saw you spoke about a couple of weeks ago is the FDIC. And, and from what I remember well, the FDIC used to just insure uh, deposits for uh, bank deposits. But uh, a, a few years ago, still in the Obama admin, administration, they snuck in uh, something in the National Authorization, National Defense or- Authorization Act at the end of the year mm-hmm. that the FDIC would uh, also uh, cover the the big banks' derivatives. Uh, so maybe you could touch upon that. Well, personally, I think it's absolutely impossible to cover all of the derivatives because we don't even really know the level that is at risk. And a derivative derivative is derived from an asset. And it could be a stock or a bond or an interest rate or the weather. I mean, it's derived from anything. And that's the way banks generate almost, well, actually more than 50% of their revenue anymore is derivative trading using your equity partly your deposits as collateral for their trading activity. So, you know, we're only covered and really, first of all, the whole world has a deposit insurance scheme and they call it a scheme. I'll agree with them, but I didn't coin that term. They actually say that it's a scheme and they started that scheme to generate confidence in the banking system. But what we've observed, especially since 2013 with Cyprus, is that, you know, every scheme fails ultimately when all confidence is lost. And so how can you cover the derivatives? I mean, these are being and can be used as weapons of mass mass destruction. And I think that's ultimately going to be our undoing because there isn't enough new money in the world, really, regardless of how much they print. There's just not enough to cover all of these big bets, especially when nobody really knows how big this really is. Yes, and the BIS says there's around $630 trillion, but I think they, they changed the uh, the method of accounting for them uh, after the 08 crisis. 
None of the derivatives were abolished or regulated. And still, like you said, uh, it's really difficult to know how, how much there is. I think the BIS even said a few months ago that uh, there's $80 trillion that they didn't know about in the shadow banking system. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think in the UK as well, we have something called the mm-hmm. FSCS. Uh, and they they uh, they're covered uh, or funded by the banks, probably just like in the U.S. the FTSE. Exactly. But the assets they have would never cover the whole uh, if there was a systemic crisis. And like you said, they could go uh, with the printing bazooka, but uh, it would just destroy the currency if they'd have to save the banks. And uh, I wanted to also touch upon, uh, if possible, Lynette. Um, the subject of the dollar's uh, loss of uh, reserve currency status and that and how that will affect Americans, but also uh, people here in the UK because we are uh, the pound is a derivative of the dollar. I would say, right, and and I mean that's true for all of the currencies since the 1940s, where they've been tied to the dollar, and the dollar has really enjoyed massive benefits by being the world reserve currency because it created an artificial market for dollars. But no currency has ever withstood the test of time in, in as far as the world, well, actually any fiat currency, any government-based currency. Uh, and this time is not any different. And even though I mean, I think what's interesting, Mario, is that things always go really slow until they go fast. And so the time to be prepared is well before that. But it was already in 2002 where the Federal Reserve started buying back U.S. government treasury debt. And, uh, you know, so that was already a period where we were not attracting enough foreign investors of our debt. We had to have the Federal Reserve step in. But did anybody talk about that? Heck no, because they don't want you to know. And so it makes me nervous when there's any topic that, frankly, they're not really talking about. But for people in the U.S., what that means is all of those excess dollars, especially with Saudi Arabia saying, hey, we'll accept any currencies for our for our oil. Well, we retained that status because of the petrodollar where countries had to use dollars to buy oil. As that shifts, though, they don't have to. So the U.S. will pay for that privilege. Uh, in a rather big way when all those dollars start to come home. And, you know, if if they're trying to tell us that inflation is cooling off, yeah, I think that inf- headline inflation is because oil dropped from, what, 120 to 80-something. However, that's not going to be maintained. And I think that you will definitely see a ratcheting up of inflation. Plus, we haven't even felt the impact on a global basis, let alone on a local basis, of all of the central bank tightening, because it takes a certain period of time, usually 12 to 18 months, to work through the system before they can see if they got what they wanted. And so we're we're not there yet. And I have a I have a really 
sneaking feeling that and sinking feeling as well that when the impact of the choices that the global central bankers have made uh, actually impacts the global economy, well, Wall Street's definitely going to be singing a very different tune, but, um, you know, I think it's going to exacerbate the retirement crisis that we're in the middle of that people don't realize. I think a lot of things are going to come, come up that people right now don't see, you know, and I kind of have a question for you. And that is, you know, everybody always assumes that central bankers and governments want this to just keep keep going on status quo. But when you look at the value, the purchasing power value of currencies and the fact that you know, interest rates were anchored forever at zero after the 2008 financial crisis, which I still maintain is when the system died. Um, Maybe they don't really want it to be status quo, right? Maybe they want to push us and what they would call nudge us into a crisis so that they can execute the next part of their strategy which is taking us into a full surveillance central bank digital currency. There's quite a bit of debate uh, about that, whether this is uh, being engineered uh, on purpose or uh, it, it's just the, their incompetence. And uh, I have to say, it's difficult to say, but uh, whatever happens, I think uh, having uh, gold and silver outside the system is a good way to protect yourself. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I actually think it's a bit of incompetence, and but maybe the people really at the top that we don't even know about that have been uh, behind uh, academia and, and the system for generations, and, and it can be uh, passed on through generations, uh, they've yeah. done this on purpose. And, and people like Andrew Bailey and uh, Jay Powell and Lagarde, they look like buffoons because they thought 18 months ago that it was going to be uh, temporary uh, or transitory, the inflation. Now, everyone has come out and, uh, and they're saying, the same people that said it was transitory, they're saying, oh, we, we've peaked uh, in inflation. Now it's going to go down. And we know that uh, inflation comes in cycles, like uh, the inflation in the 70s and 80s started actually in the mid-60s with the Vietnam War and and all the the spending on the Great Society program, so yeah, I think it's a mixture of both. And yes, I, I do think they want to like uh, enslave us even more, take us away from real money. I yeah. mean, they did that when we uh, left the gold standard uh, in the U.S. It was thirty three domestically, and in Europe in uh, nineteen fourteen, and we haven't had that link to real money since then and now they want to take the link away from the paper money that represented the gold and and put us in this digital uh, uh prison so uh, i agree with you and i think we need to keep exposing that uh yeah yeah so that's my uh, answer to your question and before we go further just wanted to ask if you could tell the viewers how itm trading has this uh wealth uh shield uh, that's oh, supposed mm-hmm. to help uh, people uh, in these turbulent uh, monetary and economic times. Yeah, well, the wealth shield is based upon repeatable patterns. 
And it's really designed. I mean, I've been studying currency and currency life cycle since 87. And when you look at them, I mean, you've got 40, over 4,800 examples, even a recent example in the Lebanese pound. But when you look at those patterns, they're repeatable. So the wealth shield is designed to maintain your current standard of living by ensuring that you have enough barterable wealth to actually buy the things that you want and what that you need when nobody will accept this in any form, whether it's physical or digital. It's also designed to protect any wealth that you have accumulated so far that you can't take out of the system or you choose not to take out of the system, right? So you want to make sure that you have a truly diversified portfolio and certainly physical gold and physical silver do that. And then it's also set up to, depending upon your goals, I mean, really, we define your goals first. That's where everything starts. But, uh, for example, for me, where I have children and grandchildren that, for me, I want to do something like the Queen of England did. In other words, ensuring a legacy for my children. Because the world that they have mapped out for us and and we have a chance of not being forced into it, but in that new world, you will own nothing and be happy. We're going back to feudal times because wealth never disappears. It merely shifts location. So leaving a legacy so that my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, et cetera, on and on and on through the generations actually have choices because they're actually holding their purchasing power wealth is critically important. So we cover all of that in the Wealth Shield, and it's simply based on repeatable patterns. So it's not rocket science. It's not really that hard to, to understand. A lot of my work is about those patterns. War is one of those patterns that occur every time there is a currency regime shift um, and I think we're we're definitely headed to a global hyperinflation because this is all they have is the printing press and interest rates. And they're, all global central banks are in a huge conundrum. So that's what the wealth shield does. And it always has to start with your goals and your circumstance. So your strategy will be similar to mine, but tweaked based on my personal goals and my circumstances, yours will be tweaked on yours. So it seems like a generational uh, wealth building exercise or pre preservation. And I think that's good because nowadays a lot of people just, they just want to know. And I mean, we are all like uh, a little bit uh, victim to the uh, fluctuations of the paper price of gold and silver, but uh uh, the way you speak about it, it's more uh, about the future, and I think that's a good thing. Uh, the other uh, thing I wanted to touch upon, uh, seeing that we have uh, a couple of people speaking today, I think Jay Powell speaking in about 30 mm -hmm. minutes, and then we have the president giving his State of the Union uh, yes. address. Uh, just wanted to see uh, what you think about the U.S. debt ceiling. Uh, I think the other day, 
or yesterday the CEO of Bank of America, and even Janet Yellen said it, that it could lead to a, a major global financial crisis. And for once, I agree with Janet Yellen. Um, so what's your view on that? Well, you know, the the, de- the debt ceiling, you always hear them come out, well, that's not about new spending. That's about the spending we already did. And you might remember that 2011, there was this huge battle and the U.S. actually lost its AAA rating. So if we're going into another huge battle, not only could we lose another rating or more, do, do I think we're going to not raise the debt ceiling? No, I think we're going to raise the debt ceiling, of course. But what we don't know is how much friction and you know, is it going to happen at the eighth hour? Because we're already under extraordinary circumstances. So I feel like there are lots of games of chicken being played between Republicans and Democrats, which, you know, I don't really know that there's that much difference, to be honest with you. Um, so I think it's just more of a distraction between the markets and the central banks, you know, um, you know, they gave up that forward guidance in August, which shocked the Hades out of me when they did that, because that's such a key tool. And um, it's hard to get that credibility back. Uh, so, yeah, I think the debt ceiling and they don't understand inflation. They admitted it. They don't understand it. Yay. That's who we want guiding us through this mess. I mean, Lagarde said it. Powell said it, you know. I mean, yeah, they created this monster, and this monster will unfortunately eat everybody alive. Yeah, I remember, I think it was in April 2021, uh, Jay Powell uh, was asked in Congress about inflation. Uh, one Congress uh, congressman or woman, I don't remember, said, uh, you, you've printed so much uh, money in reserves uh, after covid won't won't that create uh, inflation or r- rising prices with all this new money supply? And he said, no, uh, money supply has nothing to do with inflation. So, yeah, it's really worrying. And uh, I noticed you, you said uh, that uh, the credit rating, of course, was uh, I think it was Standard and Poor's. They they lowered uh, the credit rating in 2011. And actually, there's that, the CEO at the time he he lost his job not surprisingly so i'm not sure they'll uh cut the rating again of the us but uh, could it also accelerate the uh the move from china and other uh the brics countries or the global south into focusing on their new new system seeing that uh you have to depend on on this kind of brinksmanship and crisis every few years uh, for for something that you have to hold as reserve? You know, I would, <clears throat> excuse me, I would definitely agree with that. But I think that that's, again, been a long time in coming, you know, where they have created an alternative to the U.S. dollar SWIFT system that was weaponized and is being weaponized. And, you know, basically showing our hand that you do what we want or we will punish you. Um, so yes, I think that that is coming. And now do I think that that's going to be the new, the world reserve currency? 
No, I'm. my bet is still on the SDR as a basket of currencies, so you can have a local currency, uh, and then people don't realize that anything changed, like the digital dollar, right? It'll still be called the dollar, um, but I think the SDR is a basket of currencies that they could easily uh, vote to expand to include every currency is the most logical new world reserve currency to me simply because everybody's got some, they've got lots of them uh, now because they keep uh, creating these, they keep creating more and giving them away to all of their members. And so it's been around since 69. Everybody's got a lot of them. They don't need to necessarily reinvent the wheel. But I do think that, you know, you know, here's the thing, Mario, with us poking the bear, meaning Russia, China, North Korea, um, you know, are we are we headed into World War III on per I keep going back to that because so many of the moves that I see these central bankers and these governments make um look like they are shifting into the next collapse. And for even for Powell. To say, well, all of that money creation didn't create inflation. Yeah, it did. It created real estate, stock, and bond bubbles. And therefore, going back to the first thing we started talking about, derivative bubbles. And we've got this transition coming up on June 30th that, I mean, are you hearing a lot of talk about it where you are? Because we're not hearing very much talk about it here. It's really quiet. Oh, the uh, LIBOR um, phase-out. No, yeah. I, I'm not hearing much here in the uh, mainstream media. I follow uh, the FT, the Telegraph, and but I, what I've been hearing is comments, people commenting, uh, people, my viewers, about it. And actually, I wanted to ask you about that because the phase-out has been really tough because uh, LIBOR is just like a, a reference uh, that bankers use uh, to to write a lot of these derivatives and to write a lot of mortgages and, and loans, so it could create a problem. And uh, I mean, my like I said, like I said, I haven't heard much about, it, but they might have a huge crisis or di uh, a di uh, distraction, and then they'll just kick the can down the road again. And the BIS will say, oh, I don't know if they can. I mean, uh, I mean that. I mean, they phased out your ability to embed LIBOR in contracts, and they had to force it in January of 2022. They forced it. So, you know, I, I don't know if, if they have the ability or if they've just backed themselves into a corner. And for me, it's really troubling that they're not talking about the progress. What has been coming up is that owners of CLO, collateralized loan obligations, which is basically the new CDO, according to the Bank for International Settlements, uh, collateralized debt obligations. But the CLOs are starting to push back on the transition because the new reference rate here, and I'm sure this is, I don't know that this is true for all the reference rates. You're going to know it more for Great Britain. But the the SOFR that we came up with in the U.S., that even using another mathematical formula to get it closer does not match the LIBOR. 
does not match it. So it may be it may be seemingly only pennies, except when you put trillions together, you're talking about a lot. And and in some cases, like with the CLOs, there are some cases of those that have to transition where everyone has to agree. And we're seeing some disagreements. I don't know what that means because nobody is talking about it. But that fact alone has me rather bothered. Because when they ran the test in what October 2019, it was a big fat fail. And then they came out and kicked the can down the road to 2023. Or was that 2020? It was October one of those years. Yeah. Do you think uh, the, in 2019, that's what triggered the, uh, could have been what triggered that repo crisis, uh, I would say. Um, well, it was the lack of liquidity. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, that's really what all of this is about because we are, our whole system is based on the ability to print more money and create more debt. And so, um, you know, we've been having liquidity issues, particularly the one that's scariest, really, are uh, issues around treasury bonds since 2015. Yeah, and... uh... Uh, they've been looking at it as well since 2020 at, at the liquidity in treasuries. And uh, I mean, it used, liquidity is like the difference between the bid and offer. And treasuries are supposed to be the risk-free and the most liquid market in the world. And you can drive a bus through the bid and offer right now. And, and that's troubling. And it could be uh, to do with LIBOR. The thing is, like you said, this market is so opaque, so opaque and so unregulated. Uh, I'm sure the bankers know what's going on. And maybe that's why Jamie Diamond, Diamond said last year that we, we need to prepare for a huge, uh, huge storm coming. Um, so and just to add to that, yeah. maybe that's why in this recent meeting, I think it was November 6th of the um, FDIC body that actually manages the dissolutions of the bank, where they made the statement, I mean, do they not think that these things are being videoed? It's amazing to me when you listen to them. But they're sitting there saying, well, you know, everybody, look, there's lots of attorneys and accountants out here for those that really need to understand what's going on. But we don't want the public to understand what's going on. And the fact that this is not a quote because I'm all discombobulated on it. But the fact that they should know that they're going to be bailed in because they are going to be bailed in meaning they are going to take depositors' money and and leave them, what, shares of stock in the failing institution. And they admit that openly. So, you know, these things are hidden to your point. You know, those that need to know, those that have been chosen to be too big to fail, the winners of this whole mess, they know what's going on and they are getting into position to weather the storm. It's it's just the normal person that's out there that has the sticky relationship with their bank, meaning you don't change bank accounts all that often. You know, typically once you get one, you just kind of keep it forever. So they know that. So we're the depositors are sticky money, and that's just about the right size to be bailed in. 
Yeah, it's really hard to change your bank account because you have all the uh, the direct debits, all, all the stuff set up. And yep. uh, yeah, here uh, in the UK, the LIBOR uh, change, that has been done. It's the Sonia. So I don't think they've had a problem with it. But uh, that's for sterling um, offered rates. Uh, that's Is it completed? Uh, yeah, I think it, it, yeah, it's pretty well completed. They they've gone away from because uh, LIBOR could be used for dollars, uh, sterling, euros, all different currencies. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, the dollar is called euro dollar it, it outside dollars outside the system, outside the U.S. I'm sorry, and uh, even sterling trading outside uh, the U.K. used to be called euro sterling, but the Sony has been completed, but. Uh, it, it's, uh, I would say it's not that relevant. The relevant and most important one is the U.S. dollar LIBOR because it's such a huge market and, and it just, it doesn't just affect the United States. It affects the whole world because there's so many dollars sloshing around the system. Um, the, the latest that I saw from the biz bank for international settlements. So it could be less now. I don't know. Um, that there was still 610 trillion in notional value derivatives that still needed to convert into the new benchmark. So I, you know, they didn't. I don't. I didn't see where they were specific to country to country. They just made that broad statement. So that's globally. I would say though that the bulk of the derivatives. Uh that the BIS uh, looks at is in US dollars. Uh, that's Probably. that's a huge number, 600 trillion still, and, and that would be a problem. Uh, talking about uh, the uh, State of the Union, I, I've heard recently, uh, I think it was Yellen, the Secretary of the Treasury, say that, well, the economy is doing great because uh, unemployment is the lowest, uh, unemployment rate is the lowest in 53 years. But my question would be, Lynette, uh, if that is so, how come the uh, federal government isn't rolling in tax receipts and running a huge surplus <laughs> and, and paying down the debt? Well, you know, you, you've got like a debt uh, ceiling uh, crisis. So, right. yeah. So I wanted to see uh, what you think about the yield curve and what it's really uh, telling us about the U.S. economy. Well, you know, first of all, historically, 100% of the time when that happened, there has been a recession. This will be far more than a recession. But even more troubling is that the global yield curve has inverted. I think that happened in, what, November, December, something like that. Um, And that's the first time that that, since they've been tracking it, that that has ever happened. So even back during the depression in the 30s, honestly, it was a global depression and we weren't so interconnected as we are now. So if we had a global depression, what does that mean for coming up? This is going to be a complete change. I mean, it really is so simple. This is the end of this current fiat money experiment based upon debt, they have to burn off this debt, you know, and so hyperinflation is the way that evolved and and advanced economies settle that debt in currencies that have virtually no value. And, 
you know, that that's true with all currencies. So, you know, this is, that's why you've got to have physical gold and physical silver because governments, what they can do, and we just saw this with the Lebanese pound, right? They suppress the price of gold because gold is good money. So a rising gold price is an indication of a failing currency. So it's kind of like a spring that you hold in your hand. And then when you remove your hand, the spring shoots in a direction. I think it was up over 1,500% overnight in that first overnight revaluation in the uh, in the uh, Lebanese pound. So don't be fooled by the prices that Wall Street is showing you. Those are the nominal prices and do not reflect the true value. They merely reflect the wishes and the whims of those that are in power and wanting to stay in power until, and they're accumulating it. I mean, look at the drawdown on the COMEX and the LBMA. That's big, smart money. Look at the fact that central banks are buying more gold than 1967, which was when we were transitioning into the new system, right? And they'll, and 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 people will refer back to the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 30s, the 40s, and they never take that next step. What was happening then? We were transitioning into new monetary systems. So you can stay vulnerable. That's your choice. But personally, I don't own any fiat money products more than some cash that I got to have because that's your first line of defense. And, you know, like you made mention of before, debits come out of it. I'm running a business, so I got to make sure I can pay payroll. But other than that, why would I? Because I know the truth. This is what I own, gold and silver, physical and in my possession that runs no counterparty risk. Biz says only financial asset that runs no counterparty risk. Everything else is credit. It's all debt. And it's all counterparty risk. Yeah, I spoke to a guy from uh, Beirut uh, about a year and a half ago, and he was telling me about what happened in in Lebanon. And uh, it's very similar if you compare the price of gold in dollars to the price of their currency in dollars, the the Lebanese uh, pound. It was very stable and fixed for like uh, almost 20 years. And so people actually thought that they had the dollars in the bank. And uh, when it all blew up in, I think, late 2019, Mm -hmm. uh, the banks basically stole all those dollars and shut the banks and said, you can only have $100 or you you can have uh, Lebanese pounds, but not dollars. So I I think they've done the same thing uh, to to, uh, Americans and people in the West people that think they have gold a lot of them they buy ETFs and and they think the price is never going to go up but then one day everything blows up and uh and you go ask a GLD or another ETF for your gold and they'll say oh sorry you haven't got it you can have dollars and then gold is uh, a lot higher so yeah the lesson in Lebanon and I think in Argentina they had something like that called the Coralito uh, Citibank right. <laughs> said the uh, the government in Argentina told Citibank not to pay their depositors their dollars. They just basically stole it. So 
Um, that's why you have to have it uh, physically because there's no counterparty risk. So, uh, Lynette, uh, any uh, last words uh, for the viewers and where they can uh, find your uh, analysis uh, on social media? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we are on uh, YouTube, itmtrading.com, uh, and or you can even Google my name. You can search my name, rather, Lynette Zhang. We also have a Twitter account, itmtrading underscore Zhang, and please be careful with that because I know we get mimicked a lot, but it is itmtrading underscore Zhang, Instagram, Lynette Zhang, Facebook, Lynette A. Zhang, and we do a podcast, so Spotify, Apple, Google, all of the major platforms. And because you need more than gold and silver, we have another YouTube channel that we started called Beyond Gold and Silver, and it talks about my mantra. So food, water, energy, security, barterability, wealth preservation, community, and shelter, because these are the things that we all need to sustain a reasonable standard of living. And, you know, we want us, we want to help you wherever you are. That's where, that's where we want to be. So if you're new to all of this, great. We've got some basic education to get you started. If you're an expert, come help us spread the word. Yes. And I, I tell my viewers as well, for those who don't know, uh, I have partnered with ITM. So if you want to uh, know the details of how to get in touch with them, to go in the description of this video. And uh, Lynette, uh, thank you very much. Uh, I look forward to coming uh, on your channel as well. Uh, yeah, I know you're already scheduled. I look forward to it too. Then I get to ask you questions.